FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. <laughs> I waited. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, hi, uh, I'm your host Jason Venable and I'm joined once again by Dan Cole from the Inner Comics Podcast and Georgie V from just being awesome. Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Oh, synchronized. Yeah. yeah. In stereo. Oh, oh. We got some good energy today. I'm, I'm excited. All right. Yeah. Awesome. So this is Resurrection episode weeks nine and ten. That's right. As I like to call it, too many books. <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of stuff to go over. Um, yeah, and you know, two weeks worth. Um, you know, last time we we had something scheduled, but two thirds of us got sick, and then I just never got around to doing anything else. So um, we'll backtrack a little bit, but then go ahead and hop into to what came out this past week. Um, yeah, so if everyone is good and ready to go, y'all, y'all want to hit it? Hit it! <laughs> Kick it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's three of us, just like there were three Beastie Boys. Oh. Uh-oh, now we have to argue over who's going to be who. Um, Which one of us is going to die by cancer? Oh, uh... That yeah, sounds horrible. I'll take awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> take one for the team. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Jordy's <laughs> like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of show. Um, no, <laughs> it probably is, actually. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Going to, to week nine of Resurrection, that week wasn't too bad. Uh, we have X-Men Gold, number five, and Iceman, number one. I'm actually glad we got to wait, because um, I didn't want to talk about these with you guys. Um, we will uh, go a little quickly through X-Men Gold, number five, which is Techno Superior, part two. Oomch, oomch. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wow. Yep, that, that was my superior techno. So remember Gambit stole some stuff and it turned out to be an AI that he, or no, no, it was some dormant nanites which he uh, accidentally spilled onto a computer and gave it AI and it became a new Sentinel. And it's uh, wrecking havoc and our X-Men are going to come save him. And you know, I, I do want to say something. First of all, I forgot to do the credits, so let's do that. Um, written by Martin Guggenheim, penciled by R.B. Silva, inked by Adriano D. Benedetto, colors by Frank Martin, letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit. Ah, there's a woohoo in the background if you heard it. Um, <laughs> and the cover is by Arnie and Seoff, Jay, shh, listen, and Frank Martin. Um, I actually like this cover quite a bit. It's our new hybrid Sentinel and we have some little target circles with our X-Men Gold primary players in it. Oh, I guess. And we have a kitty 
Storm, Old Man Logan, and Gambit. And it just feels like a very classic X-Men cover to me. I thought it was pretty cool. What would you guys think? Is, am I insane to think that this is maybe a homage to Alpha Flight? Am I Am I crazy? This feels Possibly? like an Alpha Flight cover I've seen yes. before. Yes. Yeah, like, I'm going to guess uh, number 11, 10 or 11, somewhere in that. That, early that is teens. more specific than I was going with. I was just going with <laughs> Alpha Flight. Yeah, that was super specific. I feel like there was one in the early teens that had, like, a pinkish background, and it had a bad guy, and it had a bunch of these target symbols, and it had, like, um, Heather and Puck. And, yeah, I think there's a cover very similar to this. But it just felt classic... X-Men to me. I don't know. And I thought the Sentinel looked pretty good. I mean, the design is what it is, but the actual artwork, I thought it, thought it turned out pretty well. So, yeah. I, I, I didn't mind it. it. I do like the emoting of Storm. She's clearly thinking if she's going to get a line or two of dialogue in this issue. <laughs> so. Yeah, so... You know, we, we, we have this opening scene where the X-Men are coming to save Gambit. He falls off a a broken building and storm saves them. And I just, I, I got to backtrack. I got to, got to rescind some things. Um, and not that it surprises anyone, but I have to say Dan was right. What? Um, what was I right about this time? Right. What? So, so this time, yeah. So when we first went back and talked about X-Men gold number one, which feels like forever ago, um, <laughs> there was I, a number one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was I was of the impression that I thought Storm's costume was kind of um, a nice update on the classic costume, and um, it turns out I just had some kind of like nostalgia fever because Dan disagreed with me. He said it was regression and you know just moving backwards in costume design and, and a bad choice. And the more I see this thing in action, the more I hate it. And so I, I got to say, I agree with Dan. <laughs> Yay. One win for me so far. Yes. If we're tallying it. <laughs> but when did she go back from from Mohawk to, to 90s cartoon Storm? Um, in between the end of Extraordinary and the beginning of X-Men Gold. Uh, she took a it spa day. It was stressful. Day. The Inhumans were stressful. She just grew all of her. Instead of ripping out, she just decided to grow it all out. Yeah. Instead. It was so stressful. Bless her. You know, if there was a mutant who could make people regrow their hair, they would be, like, super rich, right? Yeah, I'd More use them. Yeah. I'd be like, put your hand or tongue or whatever on my head and give me some hair back. Jesus. <laughs> I don't care what it really is. The, the catch is you have to have sex with them. Oh. So hmm. I do love how Gambit's um, beanie thing on the back of his head manages to defy logic and gravity for most of the scene. Yes. And not fall off as he's flailing, bless him. Right. Maybe it's like clipped on. It would be the sort of thing Gambit does. He is a villain slash not villain anti-hero yeah. after all. So he'd clip on his own hat. Yeah, he's kind of a douche. Right. I know he's just on his toes, but I don't like that it looks like Nightcrawler has dinosaur legs. What is that about? I d yeah. <laughs> that panel says, it's like, why are they stood like that? <laughs> I feel sorry for Colossus. He seems like he's shrunk, but also like beefed out. Right. Either that or Rachel is wearing some proper high boots. Um, poor Rachel. She yeah. has such terrible, terrible uniform. 
I yeah. can't get past those things that she like literally sticks onto her face. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just wish they'd show us the scene of her applying it, right? Or or one falling yeah. off and be like, oh. Putting <laughs> on the pasties, yes. Right. Yeah. So then we Have got... they actually called her Prestige yet, though? Have they actually said, Prestige, do this, Prestige, do that? Or did you constantly say Rachel? Because I feel like they constantly say Rachel and have just ditched she... the whole Prestige thing. Right. And if she won, they mentioned that she had a new name. But no, whenever they talk to her, it's just Rachel this, Rachel that. So I don't know if there's just so much backlash that... Um... No, but she's still Prestige on the title page, so... In this, in this title weird page. title page that is all the faces from the next issue's cover. That's strange. Really? Yeah, I just noticed that. Because I was like, that was like Ken Lashley. And if you look at the... Or maybe not the next one. Maybe it's number seven. If you look at the preview for number seven, like, it's, it's this cover. Like, these, uh, these is this faces. in the list of like how much dialogue they get per issue? <laughs> <laughs> in ranking order? No, because Old Man Logan gets... Uh, a few one-liners, and so I think, don't think he'd be at the bottom. Because when he's in that, that scene with the fireman, he's like super grumpy old Clint Eastwood running around. I hate his jacket so, yeah, so me much. Yeah, me too. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, I right. oh, no, no, so Logan, he, fight, he helps the firefighters, but doesn't make it easy on them. <laughs> I've noticed that all these books that feature old man Logan all draw him like really... His face looks off in all of them, but they all give him some sort of like monkey attributes. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm starting to feel like it's an editorial mandate because it's weird to say that because I'm literally staring at the Weapon X phone cover, which we'll talk about right. later. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it started with Greg Land, and I think uh, everyone else is just falling in line, I guess. Um. So, of course, uh, Kitty tries to phase through this and know it works once. We get a nice booyah out of it, which I hated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not as, not as worse as um, that t- came out totally wrong. Forced sexual tension between her and Colossus on the last page. Right, right, right. Yeah. So our news lady uh, blames the mutants for this attack, of course. I mean, wh- why would she not? Um... Uh, skip some pages. They they track down the Sentinel again, but of course it adapts because that's what Sentinels do. And so Kitty can't face through it this time. Uh, Gambit throws some stuff at it. It grows Doctor Octopus arms. Uh, Colossus has possibly the most weird thighs in all of comics. And then um, <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah, that's so weird. Silva's art is is it's like the last issue. It's up and down, but his Colossus is just off. Um, and his boots look like they're like a couple sizes too big. Like he's wearing extra boots for when he hulks out. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe he is. Um, so anyway, they determined that this uh, this new Sentinel has split itself up. And it's not just attacking mutants, it's attacking all mutations, which includes just ordinary people like you and me who have mutations such as, you know, hazel eyes or, you know, detached earlobes or whatever you you want, right? And I've seen a lot of people talk about this online. And a lot of people say, no, that's a nice new twist. And 
at surface level. It's not. It kind of is, but it also kind of feels like Mark Guggenheim's son came home from like, I don't know, ninth grade biology and said, hey, Dad, did you know that, like, you know, the way the chromosomes are, like, if I have a third nipple, that's like a, a genetic mutation. And he was like, ah, oh, son. I feel like this was a storyline in the 90s. <laughs> right. Like, they did this before. I feel like we've seen this all before and it'll happen again no matter what happens. Good night, right. we'll just drag it up. Can we just can we just talk about the fact that the, he, he benches Rachel for most of it because he doesn't know what to do with the character at all? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and can we also talk about me. the fact that Kitty's supposed to be some sort of... He's, he's promoting Kitty as a tactical genius, but he leaves the she leaves the super strong, nigh-invulnerable tin man and a teleporter on a, on, on the plane to guard a woman. Yeah. And sends sends a thief who throws bombs and a clory stabby guy. Who's a bit shit, let's be fair. No offence to... Snickcast views. Right. <laughs> Old Man Logan is a bit shit in this book. He's like, he's good for like cleaning out debris. But in the most, in like, he could kill someone by just slashing debris like that if there's someone stuck underneath it. Right. Willingly slashing. Yeah. Why don't you send the telekinetic to move it? Right. See, she has, she has no she has no thought process. It, well, is, it is weird because Guggenheim. It seems very intentional that he like went out of his way to bring Rachel on this team. And then right. the fact that he doesn't know what to do with her is just odd. It's like, why didn't you just pick somebody else then? I don't know. But, um, yeah, so what do we think of the art on this, this little thing here? Um, I think, Georgie, you had sent spotty. me... Yeah. What, I think you used the word hackney, Georgie. Is that... Am I quoting you right? You had tweeted oh, me man, something. Oh, man, I got it. We got a remailed review. <laughs> yeah, let me pull no, it. I, I, I feel like it jumped between like like a good homage to like hackneyed homage of of Eminent, right? Yes, agreed. But both of you thought this issue was better than the ones before it. I think it's because the ones before it were just garbage. Right. So anything better than that, it's just <laughs> it's, it's kudos. To be honest, I was just happy to see the other characters speak more than a couple of lines. Obviously, Storm not included. Right, bless right. her. The Nightcrawler um, had a lot she, to oh, say. What happened to Storm? She gets face attacked by one of the tentacles after she saves Gambit. That is literally she saves Gambit, and the next time we see her, it's getting face tentacled by a robot. Right. If yeah. we see it, if we see her in between, it's kind of like not really. No one cares. The de- Guggenheim wants to write a Kitty Pride book. That's literally what this is. Yeah, and yeah. Jo- Georgie mentioned that he's been reading um, Claremont, and all writers have, you know, their favourites, and it's fair. But you're writing like a team book, and this is only issue, um, are we on five? Yeah. And I feel like the team is completely like uh, wallpaper. <laughs> yes. And it's just Kitty and Old Man Logan, if he's allowed to have more than a couple of one-liners. I feel like it's just them, and the rest is just window dressing to make it seem like it's an X-Men team book. Right. You know what I mean? He really feels. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is, yeah. So, um, I agree. I I think it is. it is an improvement. And Guggenheim is, I guess, trying, but it's still pretty, pretty middle of the road. Yeah. I mean, reading it again, I, I felt less positive than I did the first time I read <laughs> this book. <laughs> I'm a little bit more down uh, on it. Okay. Um, 
And as as Dan had said, I'm sort of going back to the older issues, and I've jumped back into the Danger Room podcast and sort of catching yeah, up. Yeah, that's fun. And uh, I'm at a point where Rachel is just appearing in in that book as well. Um, and they're doing the Shadow Cat uh, Wolverine miniseries. Oh, that's a good one. So it's like it's like perfect perfect timing, like coinciding with this book. But what I really noticed was Claremont doesn't really know what to do with Nightcrawler. Uh, yeah. He's writing like. <laughs> He's just kind of sitting there, and then he becomes the pilot because he's got nothing to do, and he's like the team doctor because he has nothing to do. He's just kind of sitting there, and and feels like Guggenheim doesn't know what to do with him either. Like, when was the last time Nightcrawler did anything important or was really involved in a good way? When he was killed. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's funny. I've been reading early Excalibur, and he's oh. like, he's he. That's the Kitty and Nightcrawler book. In a lot of right. ways. And so that's been a lot of fun to see him really shine. Um, so, and you know, and as bad as it was, the uh, Nightcrawler solo series from a few years ago had some nice character moments and, you know, kind of let him kind of just be Nightcrawler. So, I mean, well, I'm not necessarily recommending uh, tracking him down because it's not great. <laughs> but um, but there's, there's a few highlights. But, um, At least he still has a nice costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, what do we want to grade X-Men Gold number five? Are you going to drop your score, Georgie? Uh, uh, someone else go first. got to look mine up again. Okay. I'm, I'm sticking with three because yeah. I know I was just a bit harsh, but that's just the series in general. I think this book is average. Right. Um, so three, 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 seems, three seems like a reasonable score. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, three out of six claws for me. Yeah, I- I'm there, but maybe on a... I, when I previously read it, I was on a higher side of a three, but now I'm on a maybe a lower side of a three here. Okay. Fair enough. I'm going to interject, just based on everyone's comments. I give it a two, and I didn't even read it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's, it's kind of a three by comparison to some of the other things that we'll be, be reading, I think. Right. Yeah. Or been reading right exactly. i was much more positive when i read it the first time around than looking looking and reading through it again today. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well let's uh let's move on to something i thought was quite a bit better um iceman number one which is written by cena grace sign of grace i'm not sure Ooh, i like sign of grace that's a sign of grace anyway bad pun i'm um, sorry uh yep. art by Alessandro Vinny, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Josebino, with the cover by Kevin Wada. And this must have been the week for Faces in Circles, because on this cover we have Iceman, looking pretty uh, chipper, and throwing some ice balls, and inside the ice balls are faces of X-Men villains, including my favorite version of Mr. Sinister, which has a whole lot of guy liner. <laughs> doesn't he yeah I wouldn't even say eyeshadow but yeah um, so hey what did you guys think of the cover uh, I'm a massive fan of uh, water so I love it <laughs> I'm going to probably love all of these covers because <laughs> I just like it. I like his eye for detail and his eye for fashion so right yeah I enjoyed it Georgie it feels just a little too colored pencil-y for me Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's definitely the look it's kind of going for. 
kind of right. a, kind of a map pencil kind of thing. Um, all right, so I was very interested um, to see what happened to this book, and you know how they kind of dealt with you know one of the things that happened. And I don't I don't know how you guys felt, and I'm just gonna throw the disclaimer out there. I'm saying this as a as a straight white you know middle American <laughs> whatever. Um, but to me, this felt a lot more organic than the way they originally, you know, had Iceman come out. And yeah. just the the normalcy of the relationship, the adding the layer of to the relationship with his parents who and the complexity of that, because you know, if you read X Men for a while, you know that Iceman has terrible parents. But they're still his parents. And, you know, he still kind of in a way seeks approval and still loves them even though they're They've been bigoted against mutants and they are apparently also kind of homophobic. And so, you know, he's kind of coming into the relationship with two strikes, right? But he still goes to visit, you know, his dad in the hospital. And I don't know, it starts off with a great scene of him fighting his younger time displaced self. And I thought there was a lot of just really good humor in that scene, which you want from an Iceman book, right? Because he's a pretty humorous, lighthearted character. Um, and of course you have the hospital scene where there's a, a purifier and football pads. So that's kind of the plot. But to me, the plot in this was completely secondary to just what a great look into, I guess we'll call him older Bobby's character. Um, so I don't really have a lot of, lot more to say about like the action or the plot, but I really want to hear what you guys thought about just the portrayal of, of Iceman in this book. Yeah, I'm not a, I want to say a big fan. Like, I don't dislike Iceman, but my, my knowledge of him isn't, you know, super high. But I really enjoyed, like you said, just the getting to know the character. There, there really is very little plot, uh, you know, a little attack in the hospital that allows for some, like, fun action and some cool scenes. But it's all about just getting to know Bobby again, and uh, that that I really enjoyed. Um, I also thought the artwork uh, was great in this book, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about the artwork after we discuss the character beats here. But I, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. Um, as the resident gay man, I suppose I should speak about <laughs> it. Um, um to be fair, it's not sorry. I'm, I'm forbidden. Yeah. To be fair, um, I don't want to be a cliche. I really don't want to be a cliche. But um, the book's not perfect. It really isn't. Um, as an issue one, it doesn't sell itself as like an ongoing series. It feels more like a one shot from a, like an X Men anthology um, or possibly a mini series. Um, however, it struck a massive chord with me. Uh, his mum saying could you leave before making a scene has actually happened to me before so um, purely because of my sexuality so it kind of hit me quite personally and also outside of X-Men Blue this is the only other book I got um, Ian to read only other comic books that Marvel's made and the only reason I got him to read it is because I said he's gay (laughs) so he was like I'll read it then and he read it and he enjoyed it and he also connected to it so I think for us um, as as a as a minority, I think it's gonna be it's gonna go well because it's weird and 
refreshing to see someone talk about how shit gay dating is on online <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> online stuff and i just found it um really refreshing it's it's not perfect but i love the fact that uh, grace put character first above everything else and the art really helps sell right. the art's got such a character to it as well and i love the fact that it's very jagged kind of like ice i thought that was quite a nice visual sort of throughout um and I think, I know it touches on the simple things like um, homophobia. Obviously, yeah, I read X-Men loads. His, his parents are horrible people. Um, and I, I just think it for someone new, or for a new reader, especially like a gay reader, I think they'll see something here. That, you know, he is one of the most powerful X-Men ever. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see that juxtaposed to the fact that he's kind of this insecure, I've only just come out guy. And I'm so glad it's been handled with deli- like with, with, with respect, as opposed to, we shall not name <laughs> what happened last time. We shall not right. talk about what happened last time. <laughs> but last time, and I, I like the fact that, he ha- that we have younger, younger Iceman in it, and I thought it was quite cute with him and uh, is it Romeo? Um, yeah, <laughs> and their little like old man comments and stuff. And I thought it, I, th- I think it's I think it benefits from right being written by an openly gay guy. Um, for all those people who complain that any story can be written by anyone, sometimes there's a sense of delicacy and respect that only a specific voice can give a book. And I think that's right. what's happened here. So I'll give it higher marks than probably the craft. Deserves, but that's bias on my. I'll I'll hold my hands up and say bias because it hit me emotionally. As well, opposed you know, to, uh, like I'll, I'll I'll cut back on that and say that I think this is a great number one because what what gets me into a book isn't going to be there's this cliffhanger. What happens next is do I care about the characters? That's why you read. And what right. this book made me do was care about Bobby and want to know him more. So I'm excited to keep reading because I want to follow Bobby around and see what happens next. I don't care about who he's fighting. I don't care about some global conspiracy or some some enemy. I just want to know what, what Bobby's up to next. To be fair, if he just goes on a date in the second issue, I would gladly buy him. The God would be a happy person. <laughs> I would buy that, yeah. I would... Reading this book just made me think I would totally... I mean, it would probably look like crap, but I would totally watch an Iceman TV show. Like, right? Like just the, the the potential for just kind of interpersonal drama, and then the the sense of humor, and just kind of the way Bobby carries himself. Like I could totally get behind him as like a starring role on on a TV series. So that that's kind of how this book read to me a little bit. Was you know like in the hospital scene, like you can kind of see like it's almost. I mean, it's kind of a, a cliche, cheap thing to say, but. Like you almost kind of see the artist looking at it through like, like different camera shots and kind of as the points of view change. Um, I don't know. I just I I really I also you know kind of I don't think you have to. Know, I think it helps to be in the shoes, right, to get that emotional connection. But I think just caring about people and and knowing the struggles of your friends. I think I also emotionally connected to this quite a bit, but. I think even separating that, I, I think I'm going to kind of side with Georgie, too, that I think it was just a great, fun book. And the plot, like as far as the bad guys and stuff, yeah, pretty thin, but really inconsequential to what this book was actually about. And so to me, I'm also going to end up 
you know, pretty high marks. I also want to just mention that uh, once more about the artwork and how expressive the, the facial expressions are. Yeah. Uh, and just how, I don't, like, I don't want to say kinetic. I hate when people say this art is kinetic, but just <laughs> how, 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 how it stays. They can emote. They like, just kind of emote. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, there's that, of course, but just the way it's staged and, and like, it feels like a fully formed, well-put-together piece of artwork visually. Right. Where, for example, what we just read felt like someone coping, copying someone else's style and trying to do something they're not in full control of. This feels like this artist is at, like, the top of their capabilities, knows what they're trying to do, and is hitting all their goals. It's, like, just so well put together. Um, I, I can't wait for the next book. Right. I just want to just... Maybe an example, Georgie, what you're talking about, and I don't, Marvel doesn't do page numbers anymore and don't really need to, but there's a scene where he finally kind of defeats the purifier and kind of freezes him in a block of ice, right? And there's a character, the other mutant, that the purifier was actually there to attack. Remember, Iceman was just a bonus for his attack report card. Um, So you have the scene... um, where he freezes the guy in ice, and he's, I love where he says, learn your X-Men. Like, I thought that was just really, really awesome. And then the next scene, when you flip the page, it starts off, like, with a view of the floor, and you just see, like, a custodian from, like, the knees down, like, trying to mop up, like, ice clumps and melted water, and then the dialogue comes from, like, above the scene, right? And then you scan out, kind of outwards, like, if the camera zoomed out, and you see Bobby and, um, oh, crap, what was her name? Michaela, or Michaela, however you say that. Um, and they're walking down the hall just talking, and that the facial expressions right below that of Michaela and Bobby just, I don't know, just really delivered to me what that what was going on in that scene, how they were feeling. Holy. So I'm, I'm right there with you, Georgie. I feel like this, this, this book was strong. On lots of different levels. I mean, not the least of which kind of the impact it had on on dealing with an issue that had not been treated very organically in Iceman's life and just making it super real feeling. I know that's kind of a dumb thing to say, but it just it felt it felt honest and it felt like conversations that would actually happen. And so I just I really enjoyed it. So um I guess we're all kind of building up to a high score. I guess we'll see how high everybody went. Uh, I'll let you go mm-hmm. first, Dan. Me? Okay. Um, well, artistically, it's probably the, my favorite out of the X books at the moment. Um, and just for what it is, um, um, as a package, as just an issue, um, I'll probably give it five out of six. Okay. What about you, Georgie? I'm, I'm there. I was going to give it a five as well. Like, I might come back and give it a six later on <laughs> after I read it again. But uh, there is really almost nothing to dislike about this book. Um, I'm looking forward to, to the issue, too. Yeah, me too. Um, I will also give it a five out of six claws. And I, I won't lie. Yeah, uh, I don't, there's been a couple of times where they've tried an Iceman solo book, and I've never really been on board. But so I was a little bit like I knew, you know, kind of the different different twist with some of his recent history. But I was kind of like, well, you know, I'll read this 
and you know hope is good but i was i was just blown away by how much it exceeded my expectations and just how much better they dealt with him than they have been and so yeah a very very strong five out of six clause it was it was on should we make it should we make a bet on which one lasts longer iceman or gene gray oh damn it do we have one last longer and which one's going to be better well, we already know which one's better. Um, <laughs> but I wonder which one's going to... I personally wonder which one's going to last longer because, I don't know, um, I'm cynical about these these books. <laughs> I'm lasting more than, like, 12 it's because of Marvel. Jean Grey's going to last longer. They want Jean Grey involved with everything. It's yes. stupid. Yeah. You know. like let's they're hope, they're, they're doing that, the Dark uh, Phoenix movie again. Again. Like, that's enough Jean Grey. Let's there's there's like eight hundred other X Men. Let's try I to. Thought, I thought Mr. Most of whom are better. In this one. <laughs> uh, um, I just hope people buy Iceman in trade, um, because that'll keep it alive longer than if you buy right. it in single. Mm-hmm. Right, it would seem. So, I will be, and I'll be fully telling people to buy it. So, let's just try and take Jean out of the equation. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> Down with Jean Grey. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Let's wear T-shirts and walk right. around and say that. Um, people won't know what we're doing, but deep down we'll win. Right. Yeah, we'll feel better anyway. All right, so that's going to wrap up uh, week nine. Y'all ready to move on to week ten? Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to start off with Weapon X number four, which is another prelude to the Weapons of Mutant Destruction. Um, this, of course, is written by Greg Pak with pencils by Greg Land, inked by Jay. Shh, listen. Colors by Frank Diamarna, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Land and Diamarna. And um, this cover was almost really cool. Um, I really like the color on it, and uh-huh. I like kind of the '70s like kind of tricolor border on the characters. Oh, right, yeah. Looks really cool. Um, Old Man Logan literally looks like Dr. Zaius. <laughs> he does look like a chimpanzee. He has a chimpanzee's mouth. Dr. Zaius, Dr. Zaius. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know what's going on. I don't, I don't understand this choice. And we've been um, unusually high on Land's art in this book so far, and... I think for the most part, I'm going to stick with that. I just, I don't understand his design choice on Old Man Logan. Um, and it gets a little bit weirder every issue. And <laughs> I just don't know. But other than that, I think the cover is really good. Yeah, I'm enjoying the cover. And uh, spoiler alert, but throughout the issue, I really like how he depicts Domino. This is my first time reading this Weapon X book. And uh, yeah. I like the artwork, definitely, except for Monkey Logan. Right, Monkey Logan. I was surprised that there was no ass or um, boobs on this well, cover. There was boobs, but it's not Greg Land boobs, where they right. would be so big right. that they dwarf Logan's face. Right. Um, so I was, I was quite impressed. I also quite like the fact that the, the colors kind of remind me of a heat signature. Because oh, obviously yeah. they're being hunted, yeah. so I thought it was quite a nice. Little I thought that was the vision. point. Right, yeah, maybe so. I thought it was just like a stylized... Are you disappointed there's no Hulk on the cover at all? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. He's not good enough. 
Maybe they thought it would knock the cells down. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But okay, so if you remember our, our weapons of mutant destruction storyline, um, our Weapon X heroes, or at least three of them, uh, Sabretooth, Old Man Logan, and Domino, have run into the totally awesome Hulk, uh, who accidentally donated some blood to the Weapon X program. And, but they've been able to backtrack through hacking one of the cyborgs. They've discovered that their base of operations is an abandoned rocks and, like, I guess, oil rig facility in the middle of some body of water. And then our, our heroes with claws uh, decide to all grab guns. Hmm. Which is this, this image of, of Logan holding the gun, like, I feel like his face got deformed. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it got squished. Yeah. There's an invisible glass wall that he just ran into trying to come into the room. <laughs> like, oh, I told you to open that totally awesome door there, Hulk. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. So I know this is the podcast that goes next, and I'm supposed to be the uh, wealth of information on Wolverine-related characters. I completely forgot and or didn't know that Sabretooth currently had adamantium bones. See, I thought that was just like a one and done thing. Well, but sure enough, when did that happen? I don't know, but if you go to the Wikipedia page, which is where Greg Pat gets all his character descriptions, (laughs) it says right (laughs) up at the top adamantium bones, claws, and healing factor. It's it's, like you just control C, control V. (laughs) Yeah, I still can't get over the fact that people have white pupils, but black, like. (laughs) <laughs> I still can't get, I can't get my head around that because even like on the next page, Dom, like Hulk has it, and Domino yeah. has it in one eye. Right. Yeah, and that is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, Georgie, based on research, apparently there was a a, a thing in the '90s um, where there was that other Weapon X series that actually ran surprisingly long, um, and Sabretooth was kind of one of the title characters in that for a long time. And so at one point, he just kind of, one issue he did, it wasn't a power, and then the next issue it was. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't read all of that, so I guess I'll get there when I get to the get to it in the flashback episode. You know what probably but, happened? The writer was like, yeah, Sabretooth is just like Wolverine, except he doesn't have the big claws. So obviously he still has the adamantium bones. Right. And then just stuck. Yeah. I guess so. Anyway, they jump out of uh, Amadeus's totally awesome plane. Um, they have their little like Robotech little backpacks that they fly around with. Um, I like like this the Weapon X cyborg like eagles. I don't know why. It just, something about it reminded me of, like Brave Star or Silver Ox or or something. I thought it was pretty cool. But it's weird that they're like flying around shooting these big guns. Like it's not a scene you're used to with these Wolverine characters. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> they land and wreck some havoc. They're trying to find their friends and shut down the facility. That's their their two pronged mission is to stop Weapon X and save Warpath and um uh Lady Deathstrike. Um we find out our Amanda Waller, I mean uh, Carla, is at a different location with a shadowy figure. Um our heroes continue to blow stuff up. 
Uh, Sabretooth shoots Hulk to make him matter so he can destroy more stuff. Uh, they even talk about it a little bit. Uh, we get some more monkey face on old man Logan. And they break out our yeah. test tubes, which surprisingly, more more of Warpath's body than Death Strikes at first. So, you know, land being equal opportunity. But even then, in a, in a page or, or two, they had a lot of opportunity for a lot of, like, naked people only obscured by shadow. We, it's not too egregious. Uh, there is the one scene where the only reason you don't see Lady Deathstrike's boob is from the flash of a gun. But, um, you know, what can you do? <laughs> really? I don't, where, where is that at? Uh, right after she gets out, um, she's trying to cut through this door. You see her kind of from the back. and You kind of get, right. her, get her back boob. And then Sabretooth offers her his jacket. Mm-hmm. And then she goes after the doctor, and he oh, shoots right, at right, her. right, right, yeah. I see it, yeah. Yeah. Which, that was very, like, 90s, you know. I really thought, I really was, was almost certain that that bottom page, uh, when she, when Domino breaks her out, that she was going to be, like, stark naked with just, like, black shadow covering her naughty bits. So at least he didn't go there. Um, I guess. Is that our, is that our concession? Um <laughs> Yeah, I think he held back. Yeah. Um, anyway, more fighty fight. Um, and they self-destruct from, from their far-off location, blow up the base. Of course, our heroes survive because they all have healing factors. I like the uh, the burning skeleton at the bottom of that page. It looks really cool to me. Um, then we have our heroes in a nice group shot. Um where they decide they're going to go after the, the Weapon X people. And we find out who our, I guess, our backer of the new Weapon X program is. And who is it, guys? I thought he was dead. I thought he was, <laughs> too. I'm so confused. Um, it's Stryker, um, Reverend. The yeah. good Reverend Stryker. Right. I was a little Ooh. disappointed in that. <laughs> I was kind of like, really? Yeah. <laughs> Is he a cyborg too? Because isn't he dead? Ooh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, probably. They should have just had it as Cameron Hodge or something. That would <laughs> make more sense. Hodge. I would have rather just had a new character, just to be honest. But um, All right, so for the most part, um, Dan and I and, and Georgie coming on with this kind of storyline... I think we've all really been enjoying this book, probably even more than we thought we would. So I guess we'll find out if that continues or this. Um, so what do we think of the art overall? I think um, he's done. He's got some of his tracing in, uh, which he can't help himself. Um, but I think the fact that he dialed down what he would usually do, like generally for. Domino would basically be biting her fingernails and writhing around the floor naked for when she came out of that glass tube, right. much like you did, Jason. But I generally think <laughs> it, it, it's still it's still strong. It's still strong for his work, and I think it's a great. There's some great visual moments. There's skeletons. I quite like the the, the the silhouette of Hulk shielding them all from the blast. I thought it was quite nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I thought his Hulk was really good, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, he conveys Amadeus's sort of like emotion at the end with everyone dead, and you know his disdain at like Creed's laughter, and I thought it was, I think it's quite apart from Logan. I just generally I generally don't understand visually where anyone is coming from in any of the books on on how to deal with him because his body is of normal Logan, but then they just like slap a different face on him right. in every yeah. other panel. Um, but I echo uh, Georgie's sentiment. I think Domino looks fantastic throughout. Yes. Um, the only one, yes. the weakest, I think, visually would probably be Warpath. But, you know, he draws birds really well. I'll give him that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like but no, the birds. Gen- birds, no, he both, does draw birds well. You both them. You're both like, the birds are the best part of the book. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got a real good... Um, grasp on a lot of the characters and he's really hitting the sort of emotional points and um i've only noticed a few shots which is sort of from issue one and two creeping again like few facial tracings mainly from logan actually um <laughs> he, he traced his own planet of the apes vhs cover yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um artistically i think it's pretty strong yeah I would say out of the books that we read uh, these last couple weeks this is my second favorite art actually Oh, have we done your favorite yet or are we still getting there Uh, Iceman was definitely the favorite yeah alright don't say that on the internet Georgie people people would be upset (laughs) about what you liking Greg Land's art how dare you how dare I like good artwork my favorite, my actual I'm favorite panel. I'm because I'm I'm a straight white man, so it's right, cool. Right, That's fair. <laughs> my favorite panel is uh, Wolverine looking bored, shooting with a giant gun one-handed while Sabretooth just taking someone's head off. Right. Because Wolverine just looks totally bored. Bracker yeah. bracker next to him. Bracker, oh bracker. right, yeah. Like I've, I've done this so many times. Come on. <laughs> Or he's, maybe he's just too old for this this sort of stuff. So he's just letting the young whippersnappers do most of the heavy lifting. It yeah, I guess fires so. off a gun once or twice. I just I, I enjoyed the action of the book a lot. There's not a, obviously there's no character development in this like at all. No, uh, not but, in this one. No, there has just been like fun action the whole way but, through, yeah. and, and the scene where Sabretooth decides to shoot Cho in the face to get him angry was great. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Sabretooth must have swept with that hair-growing guy because his hair is back to, like, the first movie length. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which is weird because it's not that way on the cover. On your own at all? I'm sorry, what was that, Georgie? I was talking about Have you been reading you. the Hulk book on your own? Off and on. Um, I, I kind of wish... I may go back and fill in the holes because I, I really enjoy it. it more every time I read it. I just wonder, like, they sort of hint at him not being able to tap into the full, like, Hulk force to borrow something from the Flash, like, be, for, for, for whatever reasons, maybe he's too cerebral. But do they tap into that at all in the main series? Yeah, it's sort of here and there. Um, not, it's not, it's more near the beginning, like, because he, obviously, um, when you met him, in this series, I don't think he had his sister, did he, um, with him, and no. his sister and him... Um, are trying because he's, he's, he's sort of borrowed power essentially, mm-hmm. and there's always this like sort of recurring visual image of him driving in a car with something in the truck that's trying to get out, 
um, in the first handful of issues. I think it carries on, but um, yeah, he 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 is strong, but he is too smart, if as well. Too right. Like, he doesn't, sort of move he doesn't it give in to that blind rage, and so I guess that inhibits him in some way. Okay. I mean, that's that's the way it read to me. I don't know. It's pretty much what they allude to for most of the time. But most of the time, he's just arrogantly punching people in the face in hilarious manners. So <laughs> right. it's just a fun. It's just a fun book, anyway. Right. So. Right. Oh. Well, cool. So I guess we're all mostly still on board with the story arc. So what do we want to grade Weapon X number four? I think um, as pure blockbuster comic books, I think it's a it's a very solid for me uh, five actually. Okay. What about you, Georgie? Um, Dan, did you just give it a four? You give it a five. Five. five? Yeah, I I may be a low five, a high four. I uh, it's a, it's a different book than than Iceman. It's hard for me to give it the same grade because it's, <laughs> it's going at something quite different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's still very enjoyable, and it's my first issue in, so I might give it like a, a high four. Okay. But to say, it's, to be fair, it may be different, but it does what it does just as well as what Iceman does, what it yeah. does. I think just Iceman, in my, like after reading that, it's just so fresh in my mind, it's hard not to. That's fair. Yeah. I don't know why I was just advocating a Greg Land book, Lynn. That was kind of weird. <laughs> right. Well, I'm gonna. I'm right there with both you guys. I was right on the fence of a four and a five, but I think I I ended up settled on five out of six claws. So let's get to what was what is probably my overall favorite X Men book, which is X Men Blue number five. Um, this of course is written by Colin Bunn. Uh, art this issue was by Julian Lopez and Corey Smith. With colors by Irma Navia, maybe. Uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And the cover is, of course, is by Arthur Adams and Peter Stegerwald. Which I feel like, I like this cover a lot. I feel like we're five issues in, and he's homaged this cover of his own twice. Because he did this on the first one. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> and now he's doing it again, now that he actually has a Wolverine character. Uh, to take yeah. Wolverine's spot. Um, so, yeah. So, of course, it's, uh, it's uh, Jimmy Hudson front and center. I will say the one difference in the facial expressions, it kind of looks like they're, ch- instead of running with him, they're chasing after him. So that's a little bit of a different kind of twist, I guess, if you want to call it that. But <coughs> Yeah, it does, now that you mentioned it, it does look more like they're running after him. At least with Gene reaching out, right? Yeah, like, hey, wait! <laughs> so... All right, so, of course, remember in this book, um, we have rediscovered our new friend, Jimmy Hudson, who somehow crossed over from the Ultimate Universe, and our X-Men were, were hunting him down, and the Marauders from the, or not, yeah, yeah, the Marauders from the Ultimate Universe showed up and are trying to capture him. Um, so why don't one of you guys take this one away? Well, I would love to just describe what happens, but it feels like an absolute cluster of imagery <laughs> and stuff happens throughout. And basically, we start with um, Hobo uh, Jimmy having a bit of a everyone's going to die moment because um, he doesn't want to go back to wherever it is they're going back to. And then there's like dragons and super speed and telekinetic shields and ice and anger and fiery 
feathers, and this goes on for pages. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then I, I stings a lot apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then massive surprise because another person I thought was dead or had turned back to a Mister uh, Miss Sinister turns up yeah, I and has a nice, char- charming um, conversation with Jean for pretty much the entirety of the book, um, yep. telling us the journey and story of these um, marauders who were from the parallel ultimate universe, which apparently not everything was destroyed. So someone will have to probably tell Hickman that his story has been retconned. Right. Um, (laughs) Move, move, moving forward. um, Jimmy bolts when he has a little bit of time and, to be honest, I love these scenes between Quicksilver and Iceman. <laughs> I think that's my favourite fight is those two. Right. But, um, we've got Magneto Not, or whatever her name is, Mac 2, um, doing her thing. and But basically, it's just Jean stood there, but psychically talking to Miss Sinister about everything that's going on. And Miss Sinister's obviously now very aroused about the idea of messing around with Jean's brain and possible genetic code. And uh, Jimmy left, but came back, and everyone's a happy family. And then we're back with Magneto, who seems to have gained a swelling on his neck and decided that um, <laughs> it's it's okay for Jimmy to stay because it's Gene, Gene's uh, decision. And then we're handed something that I have not seen <clears throat> since, like, Extreme X-Men, which is that necklace that has a mutant consciousness inside it that possesses you to put it on. Yeah. Um, is that what it does? Yeah, if I, if I remember correctly, yeah. I don't know where she pocketed it. <laughs> like, there's a moment where it's like Miss Sinister gave it to her, but did she? I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> it's not like Hank's heart. That's the one thing that was missing for me is we didn't find out what happened to the heart that Hank had. Well, he right. ate it. He ate it off panel. He got. He got. He needed a snack. But yeah, so that wasn't the most eloquent um, recap of the issue. But it's that much of a mess that yeah, it's kind of really fast and. I think the script is outweighs the script has problems, but outweighs the art. Like the art's fine. Then when we cross over to the other artist, it sort of disappears visually for me. Mm-hmm. So I had a bit of a sort of, uh, and then because I keep thinking everyone's dead, I'm like, do I need to go to Wikipedia now and find right. out what happened to Miss Sinister? Because I generally don't remember. <laughs> like I'm sure she existed for a little bit, and then yeah, she did. He went but I thought she went back to, went back to mm-hmm. yeah, a more flamboyant Mr. Sinister, but I guess not. Um, and would she not recognize, like, kind of Sinister's... I, I This book opened just a Pandora's box of questions for me. Um, yeah. A, a lot of it from just a lack of back knowledge. Um, so, A, first question... Does Miss Sinister have Mr. Sinister's... Because con- I thought they like, I thought the consciousness carried on. And if so, I understand why she's like, ooh, a very strong telepath. But Mr. Sinister, I mean, you know, we recently did Inferno, or I say recently, a couple months ago, on the flashback episodes. And, um, you know, his whole, like, first several story arcs were about his obsession with the Summers and Gray like genetic line, and so that's all he cares about, right? Right. So I would think that this character, whether it's Mister or Mrs., unless there are two different people now, Dan, which is a possibility, I guess. But um, 
You would think but she. She does. She does instantly say that it's Jean. Well, not instantly, but in three panels of the, um, she does say that it's Jean. Right. Saying about how she's the bell and the ball and all that. But what if she is different and she doesn't give a crap about Jean? Because maybe she thinks Jean's dead. Because for all intents and purposes, she is. True. True. Um. Right. And so Dan also brought up one of my other questions about, and th- this question also will carry over into um, the new story in Old Man Logan is. I thought I thought Secret Wars like streamlined the Marvel multiverse like significantly, and apparently that just doesn't matter. Um. So did so did so did I, and I thought at the end of Secret Wars spoilers, um, Reed was like seeding new realities, but right. new ones, not ones that existed right. before. Right, exactly. Yeah, and but. so that was very weird. Um, and it's possible, right? Like these guys just came at the same time. That Miles did, and we're just now getting to their stories. I think but... that's what what they're they're hitting at is when that all went down. Some some people survived; they passed through. I mean, if you remember, I think we talked about this previously, but the, it ends in like just a flash of white or whatever, right? So yeah. we don't really know what exactly happened. Um, people have dropped through, so. right? Miles is here. There are other people here, and if you're reading what's the book Ultimates, you know that. There's still remnants of these these things out right. there, mm-hmm. uh, but it, so. it's weird to me because obviously in Miles he doesn't it doesn't seem like he knows of his previous reality. Right. If you know I, I, mean. I believe he has his memories from the previous reality. It just doesn't bend just as well. Bend just doesn't bother. Um, it's probably <laughs> a sentence that's said quite often. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he plays by his own rules. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and Spider Gwen's universe is still around, so true. like right. And there's obviously multiversal stuff because we we have that edge of Venom verse coming up pretty soon. Oh God! Yeah, I'm not reading that. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So a couple other questions I had that just have to do with the fact that I just never gave two craps about the Ultimate Universe, which you know I'm glad that I've been I've come to the party a little bit late as far as um, you know, really jumping. I'm really on board with Miles now, which before I just kind of was like, oh, that's Ultimate, I don't care. Um, and I, that's shame on me because a fantastic character that I love reading. Um, but all right, so you, they talk in here. There's a couple of things. First of all, I know this is Wolverine's Ultimate Son. What's the deal? Oh, never mind. I'm an idiot. That's the magnetic what? girl. I thought he had some power where he could pull. His metal, like he can undo his yeah, adamantium. Yes, that's what he was doing. He yeah, that is that. what he's doing. Yeah. No, but I, th- I thought the magnetic girl was like doing what Magneto did to Logan. Like, no, no, because he says that um, I can just. I'd come. And, what does he actually say? Something well, about like. Let's see how them. you control them now. Yeah, my claws don't have that's what to be metal. When he, in in Ultimate X, where he was introduced, when he pops his claws for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um. They're just bone. And then a little bit later, and I can't remember how many issues later, because it's only a, like a mini-series, is that he sort of uh, covers them in metal. Like, it's uh, he can grow it organically somehow. But then uh, they're not really mutants, in a, se- in a sense. They're, okay. like, genetically made from the government in that universe. Uh, yeah, that right? was my next and, question. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, the mutations are very different how they work and I I can't remember who his mum is or not but I'm sure I'm sure, people will probably tell him wrong but I'm sure there's like hints that Jimmy was sort of exper- not experimented on but like sort of 
altered slightly more when he was younger. Okay. Um, so that he could have the metal and such forth. But to be fair, as soon as he got the metal, you never saw him ever. Apart from this issue, I don't think I ever saw him with bone claws. So even I was kind of like, can he do that? And then I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad to know. So did they ever... So he generated the metal then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. It wasn't done to him. Okay, interesting. Nope. Interesting. Okay. All right, and so the mutants, like that's all of the mutants in the Ultimate Universe or, or not? It's not a natural occurrence? It was a, a yeah, yeah, um, clandestine they experiment? Out, um, they find out that they think they're the next stage of evolution and I f- want to say it was Brian Woods on Expenses Run um, who um, made out that they created like the idea that they were being created years ago to try and create a new super soldier formula okay. and it ended up creating mutants. And so when they find out they're not mutants, they all get like their weapons of the government. It all gets very bizarre and like half of the U S gets blown up anyway. And there's like a <laughs> reservation with mutants on it. And that's when you find out that's when you meet like the blue haired girl with magnetic powers and stuff like that. Okay. So, so are mutants still, like now that we have this population of, of kind of, I guess, faux mutants, are mutants still born like in the traditional Marvel sense after that, or are all mutants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. They're still born. It's just they're not the traditional X gene. They're just like sort of genetic. Right. The, the genetic. I want to. Say, I don't want to say deformity. It's sort of like genetic alterations. Like they're not evolution. They're just polluted genes. Right. Okay. And they're really hated in the in the alternate universe, right? They are super hated, especially when everyone finds out they're just biological weapons right okay so my final question has to do with astral stuff so if gene and miss sinister are talking like on the astral plane which is kind of seems what happens then how does she end up with a physical object exactly that's what i can't understand unless sinister because she is she and he are quite powerful unless she strolled in, handed it to her while she was talking, and then strolled out. That's, it. That's the only thing I can think. Because um, obviously this isn't this isn't Phoenix Jean. This is just baby Jean. So right, just she's, she's, she's raw power, not technique. Baby so Jean. maybe right. So okay, I don't know. Convenience of plot is probably yes, <laughs> the right, reason right, she has right. It could have been Quicksilver was tasked to like ah. put it in pocket when she wasn't paying attention. Maybe right. who knows. Okay, I'll buy that. It's, no, because it's weird, because there's the attention to detail of Hank picking up the heart and putting it in his pocket in the last issue, yet something like this, which is a cliffhanger moment, isn't given that same level of detail. Oh, yeah, it's and weird, it's, yeah. Which is kind of, it's, it's a bizarre move. Unless she's just hallucinating oh, oh, things. Nope, 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 I found it, guys. I totally missed this in my first reading. Um, So when they're walking away, they... they Find Hudson, they're like, hey, you're going to come home with us. And they offer to take the sheriff home and join the team. And she's like, no. And as they're all walking right. away, okay. Gene sees the amulet glowing in the snow. I see it now, yeah. I oh totally God, yeah. missed that. I totally missed that. Okay. We all missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At what, at what uh, point do you just say it wasn't portrayed very well if everyone misses it? <laughs> um, I mean, it's just one of us, and fine, that guy's just an idiot on the podcast, but all three of us? Uh, i got to say the book's at least partially responsible for that. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, my kind of my favorite moment was I think Cole and Bun had a little fun with themselves, kind of poked a little fun at the the general X Men dynamic where they talk about they had to have a Wolverine on the team, and uh, Jimmy's like, "Don't call me that." <laughs> no, right. that, was, no, that was fun. Um, all right, well, so art I thought was very up and down. Um, there's a lot about the story that I just I would have liked it a lot better if Molina had was still doing the art, but um, he wasn't, and this is what we got. And there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong about it. It just I think Dan said it earlier. Just kind of disappears from your attention span at a lot of parts. Um, it just feels very messy, and yeah. and what it, what it reminds me of actually is like proto, like a sort of proto Hitch sort of ultimate look from when it first started. Yeah, where Hitch had that very just that has that has that style of Hitch's like universe that he created. Obviously, almost Spider-Man came first, but Hitch kind of like stamped the visual identity of the ultimate universe. So I think it it kind of looks like that, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't flow very well. Like the action doesn't. Like I do like the fact that there's multiple quicksilvers on one page because you're moving so fast. But like, the action doesn't seem cohesive in places. No, not at all. But not in like a sort of like. Oh my god! The whole. The whole. The whole bar's like. Uh, there's a massive fight. It's not like that where it's. It would be chaotic. It's more like it just feels like there's little attention, a little smudging of lines here. It. It doesn't feel like as a as a whole package nice to look at mm. and so yeah i agree i agree yeah there's a it was few... just like my salt on your eyes and like there's all this stuff happening and you're not sure what to look at when and <laughs> it's just not it's not for me this wasn't enjoyable artwork to 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 watch yeah. i do think that bun has found his bad guy um or the one that he probably will do better with than like Bastion or that because yet again we have a bad guy turns up and then leaves <laughs> for next time <laughs> so it's like a recurring theme but I think Miss Sinister might be a bit more because um, he seems to really like doing the um, Q and Gillen sort of overly dramatic um, which is the best Sinister there is yes. uh, to be fair Yep. Um, so I think because um, he's having so much fun with that because I think some of the dialogue is really um, on point and the mm-hmm. character dialogue like I said with Bobby is just kind of funny and I just I kind of laughed when he was just beating on Pietro and I, I kind of enjoyed pretty much everything even like Cyclops telling Angel off for his flamey wings bending the whole place down <laughs> um, but yeah Cyclops gets like Two lines in this book. Well, he's not allowed to be. He's he's in two books, Georgie. So he's not allowed to speak in one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> seriously, he's he's not in three quarters of this book. Trust me. Now there's a Wolverine who clearly. Now there's. I'm sorry, not Wolverine. Right. Now there's Jimmy who clearly has a, a distinct attraction to a certain redhead. Cyclops will be all over that storyline. <laughs> <laughs> um, like a hot mess. Or classic so. schism, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like if this book had had better art, I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I do. Right. I feel like the idea of 
of kind of Jimmy like escaping from the Ultimate Universe, or X Men finding him and then finding like he was part of a group of Marauders that are trying to get him back, and they're also from the Ultimate Universe. And the fact that Sinister from our universe like found them and realized, oh wait, they're kind of like blank slates. I can do whatever I want. Like all of those beats felt very X Men to me, and so this book still feels kind of the most X-Men book that we have right now. Um, it's unfortunate that visually it was such a mess, but I don't... I think the storyline had a lot more going for it than this issue did overall. Yeah. And not to say that the storyline wasn't a little bit messy, too, because there's a whole lot of dialogue <laughs> in here. Um, yes. And I think nowadays it's hard to do that much dialogue without people losing their place a little bit. But... um yeah. Uh, overall, though, I think there's a lot of potential for this storyline, so I guess we'll kind of see where he goes. And honestly, a little bit of benefit of a doubt because the first four issues of this book were so great that, you know, maybe some of that's kind of carrying over my judgment a little bit. But um, anyway, I am glad to see... Um, I kind of want to go back and read Ultimate X and see the introduction of this character and kind of how he came about. Um, I feel like he was different enough, you know, from from a, just being a Logan stand-in that hopefully they can kind of make him unique in his own and so kind of see what happens. Uh, definitely a little bit different power set. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, why don't you guys grade it and give overall thoughts? Um... I think it has a lot going for it as like a narrative piece. Uh, a low three? Okay. Possibly a high two? Because the art is just painful in places. So uh, I can't do halves. A high two <laughs> is what I'll give it. All right. What about yeah. you, Georgie? It was... The, the previous... <laughs> Previous issues were much better than this. Uh, where we were pretty confident before that blue was the better book than gold. I didn't feel like blue outshone gold in, in any respect, really. Okay. Uh, so I would give this a low three, maybe a two. You know, I've already sort of forgotten the book, so <laughs> I'm gonna give it a two. Actually, yeah, it was kind of it just it happened. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I am just kind of having some, uh, carryover judgment and thinking about the possibilities. So I was, I was a much more steady, uh, more confident three out of six clause. I kind of didn't really waver from that much at all. Um, and really, like I said, had Molina drawn this book or really kind of anybody else probably would have even given a little higher than that. But I agree. It wasn't, it was by far the least entertaining issue of this series so far. So I would definitely agree with that. All right. Well, it's confession time for Jason. Uh, I had an insane pull list last week and had to make some difficult decisions about what to buy and what not to buy. Um, and I just, I skipped out on Generation X. So why don't one of you guys... Um, kind of succinctly wrap up that conversation. I think there was actually a Wolverine. Was he like, was he in a flashback or a thought bubble or, or something? Yeah, but, there's one snippet. Yeah. 
Right. So I'll let you guys uh, flip a coin or whatever you want to do. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can start off with this, I guess. Um, so after what's this issue three? So after issue two, when they defeated the extremist, um, we find Nature Girl. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yes. Woo! Just in the park. Yeah. Speaking with animals. And they're like, wow, you can talk? So is this the first time she's ever talked before? It must know. have been because I've, I don't, I never really read Jason Aaron's Wolverine <laughs> and the X-Men. I think I she's in remember. that, isn't she? I read it, but I don't remember. So, so she's there. Exactly. So she, she's there chatting. And they're like, oh, you can talk? And then iBoy's like, hey, I've got a crush on you. Do you want to hang out? And uh, she totally ignores him and is like, look, I'm in trouble. Let's go. Let's, let's go help. And they find some dude face down in a tunnel in Central Park. And it turns out to be Face, who I have no knowledge of. From the A-Team? Right. I was, um, <laughs> I, was I, I was amazed that they even used this one. Because this is like a um, Jim Zub New Mutants mm. time. And I was just like, what? Because obviously Dan, Danny Moonstar is in this as well. So I was just like... that. People still still want to use that character above better ones. Um, right. <laughs> so I was like, "Wow!" I think they were giving a makes... mandate like you're not allowed to use any B characters or above. It has to be C and below. Yes, you're not allowed to use the one that people ask for, which is like Academy X or yeah. um, any of the Generation X kids. We, we don't want to keep making this book, so can you get it canceled for us, please? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Oh yeah, so they find the flashlight guy, and then what do they do? They they take him back to the expansion, and um, at the same time, we have Bling is like, "Hey, I'm I'm an A student. Put me in your class, Jono." And he's like, "You suck. Go back with Jubilee." <laughs> okay. Pretty much. <laughs> then uh, zoom into the expansion, and Bling's walking by some some kids playing video games, and she's upset. And then, um, as they're having some friendly banter, as they're playing Xbox One X, uh, Quentin mashes some buttons, uh, and they all get upset. And then Nature Girl comes in with a, a deer. So that's fun. <laughs> and she says, I boy, this is my date to the prom. Sorry. Basically. He's a real buck. Oh, my goodness. So, um, go, go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, so they put face, face up in a bed, obviously, and um, Danny Moonstar, who has no mutant powers and no purpose whatsoever, is now a medical um, professional yeah. in the um, and she says he's fine. And then um, the new guy, which I need to literally remember his name, because there's no character. Nathaniel, yes. He kind of like just does his thing. Oh, no, no, he doesn't want to do his thing because he doesn't like touching people. Uh, And Quentin, wow, pretty much, pretty much. And Quentin's all like, you should do it. And he's like, no, we won't do it. And then Jubilee has a scene. I can't remember if it even... It's not important. It's basically no, she's there. Just... She's like, "I'll help." Oh wait, my kid's sick. I'm just gonna sit this one out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then we find out that Nathaniel um, from the guy from Morph is it Morph? I don't know. Knows what his name is. The other guy who can shapeshift. Um, 
Nathaniel tells him of the story of a really obscure Wolverine book that I've never heard of. Wolverine Sordede? I've never heard of that book ever. But um, apparently the janitor was once a mutant that got lobotomized by Wolverine. It's not really clear if Wolverine did it or not. Um, And is is now a janitor in Xavier's school. Well, and and so there's like a, so someone had to do it. <laughs> yeah, then there's like, like a hot pot, and it's no one. Sorry, cares. we ruined your life. Do you want to mop our floors for us, basically? <laughs> and as this is an a, a story in three acts, we have the third act turning point where um, Nathaniel decides to take his gloves off and touch face, and then has all these memories. And then there's like weird ink monster attacks him. And that's why he was injured. And then everyone's like, "Yay, let's get a hug." <laughs> they decide. They decide. Bling decides because they're badass that they should go out and hunt this liquid black monster, which from the front cover is clearly uh, M. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. And mm. they all wear um, the Grant Morrison era X costumes, apart from. Eye boy who wears a replica of Cannonball's like Cyclops, whatever he's wearing, <laughs> and they go off into the go off into the forest, thinking that they'll win. Um, the end. Okay, <coughs> I, I'm really sorry I missed it. <laughs> so to be to be honest, when I read it the first time, I was like, okay, this first half of the book, I'm liking a little more. I feel like the characters are actually interacting. Okay. There's some like. Like relationships start to be forming until they find face, and as soon as they find face, I was like, "All right, I'm out. This is not. This is stupid again." <laughs> and it's, the artwork. It, go, go ahead, Dan. It's really right. So, throughout the X Men, we've had Rogue, who can't touch people and or was unwilling to touch people, and we've had many mutants who have had powers like, "Oh, we don't want to help." Jono, for example. I don't want to use my powers just in case, but I'll use it in the last second and it'll solve the problem and we'll move the plot along. And I just found that as soon as we hit face and we had that conversation where the new boy's like, no way, I'm not going to use my powers. I'm like, I was just thinking to myself, by the end of this issue, you've used your powers, mate. So right. why, are we, why are we like dancing around this really, really simplistic idea? Um, and I was with you. I loved the bit with Nature Girl and Ivor. Oh. I thought I was kind of like, that was the Generation X I kind of wanted to read. Right. And then it's just like, nah, don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and I found the artwork to be really up and down on this issue. Because, like, the beginning is really nice. I think my favorite panel is um, Nature Boy, Nature Boy, Nature Girl touching the tree. Um, right. That was really lovely pictures. And I think he, the, 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 the actual animals look great. Right. But then it's just that bit, that face that, um, what is her name? Pixie makes while she's winning. Face. Oh. That's just so weird. Oh, Pixie's um, in this? Yeah, yeah, she's, she's playing, playing video, video games. Oh, okay. It's kind of like, it just, it just, it, it's all over the, it feels like no one's bothered, if that makes sense. And that sounds really harsh, but it feels mm-hmm. like everyone's turned up to the table and they've got very distinct ideas of what they want to do. And the art doesn't, the art is, basically not serving the script because the script is quite simple and very straightforward whereas the art right. isn't 
the art needs more to do to actually Definitely. sell itself. Um, okay. Because if not, this watching this as talking heads, the art kind of comes off as, well, you mentioned it, Aeon Flux, but it does come off as kind of like garish in places and just not... For talking heads, book, you, you no. want something a little bit more... This artist should be drawing action in some like interesting angles and some nice staging. Like, as you mentioned, talking heads is not... I mean, all the, the Moonstar pages, she looks off. I feel like the artist had a little bit of lead weight, so the first issue they put all their effort into, and the second issue was pretty good, but this issue, they're like, all right, deadline's coming, I gotta, I gotta finish this up. And there are definite like the, panels that feel like they just, what the time wasn't put in. Exactly, it just it doesn't, it doesn't work. And there's only so much of Quentin you can ever have, I think, um, in, in any formula of X-Men titles. And I generally think that if you use him, it's kind of like the Damian Wayne equation. Um, mm. Certain writers can use him, others can't. Yep. And, I, and, if you, and if you have too much of him, it's kind of spoiled. It just makes you kind of like, oh, it's that arsehole um, sort of thing. And... It, that, that's kind of what's happened here. Is like whenever he's on a panel, I was like, I know he's an arrogant twat, but come on, like, can we not have a better characterization? Can we not move that forward at all? Um. So yes, the cast are unlikable. Actually, I'd say, yeah, or completely, un- or completely unknown. Like hmm. I, I generally didn't. I just, well, I didn't even know their names. So <laughs> for as much. Um, is Jubilee's on the cover, which we totally skipped, but it's just whatever. It's a cover. Like she's not in the book. Like if anyone's reading this because it's Generation X, they want to tie back into the old Generation X book, and they provide none. And that cover promises some sort of like haunted ghost story horror sort of thing going on right. with Jubilee front and center, people with flashlights, and you basically get a guy contemplating whether he's going to touch someone or not as the core. <laughs> No problem. I, the I need to cut I that out and that. isolate that as a uh, little audio snippet. Dan's <laughs> trying to tie it back into Iceman. He's bringing it full circle. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because like, it, it, it's really frustrating because this is a really bizarre group of characters that could, with this art, could go far, really far if they really like hammered like. Gener- early Generation X is insane. Places like there's like haunted magical mountains there's frogs on top of people's heads there's some probably like crazy stuff they go through and then there was obviously the age of apocalypse they, they could go crazy here and it would work right. like when i saw the fun cover i thought oh great they're gonna go in the woods and like it's gonna be like a hearted thingy this would work the artist will do well the characters are weird enough to right. sort of sell that concept no we literally just get a really boring white-haired main character that is just dull as hell and he is indistinguishable from Quentin apart from the colour of his hair. Yes. Yes. And that's frustrating. That is really frustrating. And we're three issues in and I know I've I've really like um attacked Guggenheim's use of his characters, but you know, this is strain is the same. She but she doesn't have a. She has. She has clearly has her favorite, the one she created. But she can't be bothered to write anything let alone for anyone else. There's no. nothing. There's nothing. Nothing Look, to hold on. Done, to. They should have done one or two things with this book. They should have, for for this artist, they should have made it much more about the action and going out and doing something dynamic, or they should have with you know. But these characters aren't really physically you know tough fighting characters, so I don't think that works. So 
you may have done a Talking Heads book, but you'd have to get a different artist to do that. And it could have been fun to just have them like in school and be like a, a teenagers at school who have powers kind of book. But they don't do that either. It's like <laughs> nothing. And, and they've, they've, here. They've, they've created a cast of characters that are disproportionately um, sort of powered. Yes. Quentin, Quentin's like Omega level. So he's basically the Deus Ex Machina. So I feel like every time there's going to be a major problem, he's going to just basically sarcastically go off on one, right. and then at the end he's just going to he's just going to end it with his superpowers. Because everyone else, like, what's I literally? What is Eyeboy going to do? Because he could be hilarious. He could be the heart and soul of the team. But we'll never know because she's not. Is it? Yeah, is she? She's not bothered um, about giving us anything other than. Yeah, like really simple, matches. which is depressing because I literally have dropped this from my pull list. I'll still review it for you guys, um, but uh, I've I was like I'm not okay. paying money for it. Agreed. I think well, that I think, answered my question. Then should I yeah, try to go back and get this? It's a, <laughs> a one out of six. I'm not wow. going to give everything a zero. I don't think it, it right. wasn't like it wasn't like terrible. Uh, it I wasn't think, the Joker's daughter. It's no, not as low as the focus <laughs> It wasn't something like abominable, right? There were yeah. It's definitely it's definitely a one. It's a one because it's like beige. Okay. Yeah. But mm. don't don't read this book. So I was gonna uh, I was gonna uh, ask whether I should go back and get this on a lighter week, and I think y'all no, giving me no, 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 no. a resounding no. no. <laughs> I don't think it can save itself either. I think um, what's happened in these three issues has basically put it on the chopping block to be cut. Like to be right. completely cancelled because right. there's nothing. They could have, they could have like I don't know Wolverine and a bunch of X Men turn up and do something interesting, and it still wouldn't be. It just highlight how boring the character, the kids are. <laughs> right. You know. What I mean? Yeah. They should have given this artist something to do and just given nothing to do, and the story. I mean, this, this is just such a waste. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad I saved my four bucks. Uh-huh. So, Cool. Well, Dan, I know you have to get going pretty soon. Um, now, Denise and I will still talk about All New Wolverine and Old Man Logan. Did either of y'all just want to give just any real quick general thoughts on that before we left? Um, it's okay I didn't if you don't. read Laura. Right, I didn't read fine. Laura, but I read Old Man Logan. and um, I, liked, I, I, li- I, liked, I liked the style of the colors um, mm-hmm. in the book. Uh, yeah, the coloring was really nice, and I think Diodato Junior did some really nice work. But I just don't care right. for the story. Like, I generally don't care for the story. I generally view Old Man Logan as a separate, as an entity that should be a you know a one and done story. And I feel mm-hmm. like bringing elements of that story into this into anything right. is a bad idea. Um, so yeah. Well, so I was kind of bummed, um, and not to spoil too much about what I'm going to say, you know, later, but um. If you're going to have him fight a bunch of hopes from different dimensions, why not just either A, do that in the Weapon X book, or B, at least have those those teammates and Amadeus show up here, right? Like, I think that'd be cool. But mm. um, anyway, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Is he giving a Hulk? Uh, uh, sorry, is he giving a monkey face in that book too? No, Neodato doesn't do monkey face. He does, but he does, like, really beefy arms. Like, super oh, beefy massive arms. Massive Wolverine hair. Yeah, well, yeah, but that's like, okay. Full on, <laughs> full on Wolverine hair. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, guys, thank you both very much for coming on and, and charging through this 
this pile of resurrection books we had the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, we'll do it again next time. So why don't you guys um, go ahead and give your Twitter and all that information. Uh, George, you want to go first. You can find me on Twitter at LA Boy Toy. Um, I was recently at E3, which was kind of meh this year. Uh-huh. Um, so that, I posted, did I post maybe a little bit about that? But uh, I'm around. Message me if you, if you, I don't know. If you, if you, give me, give me something, guys. If you give really me, love I, Generation X, go talk to Jordan. Uh, <laughs> Message me if you want to try touching touching some boys. <laughs> oh, dear. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Dan, you're up next. Well, um, it's always a pleasure to be on. Um, thank you for having me on again. Of course. To be, like, miserable about Generation X. <laughs> but aside from that, um, you, you can find me at Gizmo151183, but you probably all listened to it already hopefully, unless that's really, like, arrogant of me to say. But you can um, follow Intercomics Pod on Twitter. Uh, type Intercomics Podcast into Google, and you will find everything that you need to do to f- listen to what I do, which is talk about comics in a more less hateful way, I hope. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, to be fair, today, you have more free reign on that show. You're not you're not given homework. You can, you know, talk about whatever you want. This is so. true. <laughs> And also, 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 um, just to plug it in, like a month's time, I'm publishing. I'm going to be published as a writer, so that's going to be interesting. Awesome. Um, for for uh, pride in this uh, in my city, we're having pride, and I was picked out of many, many people to write a short story about my experiences to go in a book. I have no idea if I can actually just send it anywhere. We'll figure it out. Awesome. Well, yeah, keep um, me posted on that for sure. Be very interested to read that. So. And of course, I don't think it's arrogant. I think uh, we have a lot of common listeners, so definitely go keep checking out the Intercomics podcast. It's, it's kind of one of our brother podcasts, I think I would say. I've always enjoyed listening to and trying to interact. I know, I know. One on. day my job will slow down and I can take a Friday. Y'all still record on Fridays? Thursdays and Fridays, yeah, but yeah. we can. I can try and get them to work around it. I can just beat them all up <laughs> so that they can do it on a Saturday. Because I can, if I can convince them to do it, it'd be so easy to do it on a Saturday because you start sort of the same time as we would anyway right? on a, on a Thursday or Friday. So I'll see if I can get them. I'll convince them to do yeah. it. Yeah. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, that would be great. I would, cause I'd love to be back on. It's just kind of been a between work and a one-year-old just haven't had a lot of flexibility. <laughs> Yeah, we can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I apologize. I think at one point during Generation X, the uh, the walking toy got onto the tile and was pretty loud. So I, if the listeners heard that, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, anyway, for the podcast, it goes Snitch. Of course, our Twitter is at Snitcast. You can like the Facebook page, and the website is snitcast.podbean.com. And um, we will do our best to get both these guys on uh, soon again for the next batch of resurrection books. Um, my goal is to carry this on it at the very least through the entirety of the weapons of mass destruction or mutant destruction, and at least get a few issues into astonishing. And you know, by that point, we'll probably be through the summer and we'll kind of see. But I would love to keep going way past that if we can. So we'll just kind of see how long. 
our schedules keep aligning. But thank you guys both so much for coming on, and um, we will do it again soon. Awesome. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. It was. Lovely. All right. Well, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> and snacked. <laughs>